there's there's problems with curing aging okay there's problems that the world's going to be faced with but they're nothing compared to the problems we have now the people just don't even think of problems because they've naturally accepted the idea that it's supposed that people and animals and our pets are supposed to get old and get feeble but it makes no sense if you if i had time With the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset, it's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at milesfranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he will guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall, and this is part two with Dr. Bill Andrews, someone who I've gotten to know over the years. I got to tell you, I'm, the reason I'm doing, a lot of times I don't do an intro for the part two, but this one I am because I had a pushback from some comments of it being Satan talk and all sorts of things, and I can tell that this is something that people are just not sure what to think. When I first interviewed him, probably, gosh, eight years, nine years, years ago it was huge everyone was interested in it now it's like satan talk i'm just acknowledging the total difference in uh in our culture or the people commenting which is what i'm acknowledging here and i'm going to push back a little bit to some of these comments that came in and i want to say that first how do you know it's satan talk to not talk about this this topic and, and let me tell you why there's evidence that maybe we were manipulated and that we could live a lot longer. For those of you who read the Bible, people lived a lot longer in the Bible. I don't know what to think of that, but that's what they, they talked about, right? And there is evidence in, you know, with Mario Biglino that I had on, where he talked about the, the translation of the First Testament, talking about us being genetically modified so that we don't live as long, so that we're more controllable, so let that sink in. So maybe it is God's plan for us to look into this and to fix the situation that we're in because maybe we're in a sort of bondage because we aren't able to live long enough to grow our minds well enough to be able to learn and to get out of the situation that we're in. I don't know, I'm just throwing that out there. But that's all just theoretical and, and thinking about uh, um, religion and our past, and th that's important. But this is another topic that I think is really important, and that is that almost all diseases that haven't found a cure yet are diseases of aging. And so if we want to solve these diseases, come up with a way to push these diseases back, we indirectly will be solving aging or vice versa. By solving aging, you're, sol you're solving these diseases. And it's pretty much understood now that most of the diseases we don't have answers for, for are due to aging. And I've done a number of interviews on this. And so to say it's evil to talk about how to do this, is it, so is it evil to look at cures for all these, these aging diseases, which is what we're looking at because that's the diseases people haven't, been fig haven't figured out how to deal with. And so I want us to think about that. And for those of you who still believe this is an evil conversation, then that gives an even more reason that we should be talking about it. You need to shine even more light on this, have debate, get it out there, talk about it. Because you know what? If you tell people you can't talk about it satanic, then people will still talk about it. They just won't talk about it publicly. You will be ignorant about it, but those with money and people with resources definitely will be talking about it. They will be getting the treatments. The average person won't ever have access to it because you convinced everybody not to talk about it. So it goes in the dark and the only people that get access to it are the people with a lot of money and resources. What we're talking about here today is access for the average person and we're talking about these topics. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if he's right. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. But I sure know that it's something we should be talking about. And I darn well am not going to let somebody tell me it's satanic so I can't talk about it. Just like I won't let anybody else tell me who is woke 
that I can't talk about some of the things they say I can't talk about. There's so many things everybody's telling me I can't talk about. I can't talk about election denial. I can't talk about COVID. I can't talk about whether it could be bank runs. There's so many things I can't talk about. And now I'm being told I can't talk about anti-aging because it's satanic. Well, that's BS. You should be able to talk about it. And if you think it's satanic, then you need to talk about it too because then you want to shine more light on it and we need to debate it. Okay, so I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> Before I get into this, go to my website, sarahwestall.com, sign up for my newsletter. Also, my new substack, sarahwestall.substack.com. And I want to tell you that the Act 1 of the Censored Conference, some people think that United for Free Speech might be boring, but it is anything but boring to listen to people who are censored. That is the last thing that's boring. So go to unitedforfreespeech.com. Sign up for that newsletter if you want to learn, learn more about the next act that's coming in in the end of April. And also, uh, if you want to buy tickets, you'll be able to see all of Act 1 now. And you'll be able to see all of Act 2 once that comes out on demand. So I hope you join me in that mission. This is, again, a long uh, interview. This one's going to be over an hour. So I hope you watch the whole thing. And I hope you have a good day today after you got done listening to me get on my rant. And if you're interested in the Defy Time products that are based on his technology, you can go to defytime.com. You can save 20% by using Sarah VIP 2023 I have the code below, but make sure you want to save 20%. If you're a new customer, I believe they still have a way you can save 15%. So it would be that on top of the other. And that really helps out because the products are fairly expensive. But it's worth it. It's a 90-day deal, three months for the pills. And that I, I take myself. So anyways, let's get into this great conversation with Dr. Bill Andrews. Throughout evolution, survival of the species through rapidly changing environments has been increased by having ge uh, increased genetic variability within the species. Okay, so think of it this way. So if, if you have a species and every single member of that species is identical, okay, which happened when we had asexual reproduction, you know, 3.5 billion years ago. When we had asexual reproduction, if some environmental change occurred, every one of those members of that species would die. <clears throat> when, so then things started happening through evolution to increase genetic variability so that, so that some members of the species would be different than other members of the species. And the more genetic variability that you have within a species, the more likely that at least some of those members are going to survive the rapidly changing environment. <clears throat> so so that's, that's, that's something that we went from asexual reproduction, we went to having two copies of every chromosome to allow mutations to survive. Then we went to sexual reproduction, which allows shuffling of genes, which was probably the biggest dramatic impact in uh, increasing genetic variability within a species. And as a result, uh, organisms that, that experience sexual reproduction were more likely to survive a rapidly changing environment than the ones that didn't. Okay, then one other really major big thing happened, and that was eliminating the longer lived. Okay, and it turns out that statistically, you can you can look at this. If you if you have a population where nobody dies, nobody gets feeble, nobody gets unhealthy, <clears throat> the longer lived, just having them rebreeding will provide far less genetic variability to the species as a whole than allowing the offspring to interbreed, okay? Because you've shuffled genes into the offspring, they shuffle it even further into their offspring. And so eliminating the old increases the genetic variability within the species and increases the species chance of survival. So again, if I use that analogy, if you have one species <clears throat> that, that doesn't have any kind of aging process and another species that does, and they're both 100% identical, the species with the aging process is more likely to survive a randomly changing environment. 
I say that's not a theory. It's, it's no more a theory than saying, if I toss a coin 10 times, I'm more likely to get a heads than if I toss it only five times. Okay, because it's all probability theories, logic, and everything like that. Yeah. So we evolved aging as a way to eliminate the longer limit. There's no evolutionary advantage to living longer than it takes to raise your young. Afterwards, you're just in the way. You're competing with your offspring for the ability to increase the genetic variability within the species. Now, some people might say, well, that's a long way. <clears throat> From, from a human's perspective, though, humans have gotten so much smarter than other animals that we can actually control our evolution. I mean, for instance, uh, like monogamy is good, okay? It, it's, but, but as our ancient humans and pre-humans, that would have been devastating, okay? If we had monogamy, because the genetic variability from shelf genes would have been tremendously decreased. But now, you know, we... we Humans, ancient humans, pre-humans, whatever you want to call them, <clears throat> we had babies when we were 14, and then the babies could fend for themselves by the time they were seven. And so after you were 14 plus seven, 21 years old, you were only in the way. There was no evolutionary advantage to the species for you living any longer. So so we evolved a way. The, the grandfather, no, 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 today, today it does, but I'm talking about the ancient pre-humans, okay? I mean, they were, they were out hunting and feeding themselves and stuff like that by the time they were seven years old, okay? So all this evolution and stuff occurred long before we became super intelligent humans. And I got super intelligent. We made so many mistakes, so many lives on this planet. We... we I mean, I, I always say we're, we're in control of our own evolution, but we're also the worst evolutionary disaster that's ever occurred on this planet, second to the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. Okay, <laughs> we, are, we are responsible for the extinction of so many species because we didn't know what we were doing and we just killed them all off without thinking. And it's, it's, it's like I was just reading yesterday that jaguars used to be notorious, we used to be all over the United States. The United States used to be covered with jaguars, and humans killed them all. You know, it's like uh, we have any more here. I know we. Where are they now? Um, the jaguars. I read there's one that's in the wild right now. There's one, and people are protecting it like mad, but it's going to die soon. Well, but um, we need to. But there's some in zoos and stuff, so we need to figure out how to keep that species going. It's terrible. I think. I think. I think the one that was. In the United States was probably a separate species and it's probably extinct now. Um, there's, there's another really good example of how dumb humans are. I mean, but, but it also shows how important genetic variability is. Okay, so, you know, people have been killing elephants for their tusks for a long time now. And, but elephants could have almost gone extinct by now. But fortunately, because of genetic variability within the species, there was a gene that actually prevented the elephants from forming tusks. So now when you look at percentage, what, what percentage of elephants didn't have tusks like a hundred years ago versus now, it's increased like 500 fold. <laughs> so so if we keep killing elephants with tusks, the, there won't uh, be any elephants the, with the tusks. Ability, the elephants that didn't have, didn't produce tusks are gonna take over and they're gonna be the only ones. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, but, but <clears throat> Getting rid of, so putting a limit on our lifespan is something that has become very common in a lot of species, simply to increase the genetic variability within the species uh, to allow, it, it's not a force. Evolution is not a force, it's a result. So when I say to, when it does it to allow something, that's, that's wrong for me to say. <clears throat> As a result of all the, uh, genetic variability, it, it, it increases that species chances of surviving. And so, so eliminating the longer lived is one of those ways. And so it turned out that those species that did 
eliminate the longer lived, whether, whether it's cancer or heart disease or diabetes or being vulnerable to infectious diseases, any of those things. <clears throat> uh, all those things help actually increase the survivability of that species in a rapidly changing environment. And wow, that's pretty which, interesting because it, it makes sense logically. It, it may, brings up a whole different subject and that's that a lot of people say we age to prevent cancer and heart disease and things like that. And, uh, but they don't realize that cancer and heart disease are actually good for the species. They're terrible for the individual. Unfortunately, terrible for the individual, but they're really good for the survival of the species. Uh, because Why it's is a that? Way of limiting, if they get it when they're it, young it before they reproduce. Well, the, here's the thing is that there's no question about the fact that cancer and heart disease and other things in, are more likely to occur later in life, okay? And why is that? If it's just a bullet that shoots you and causes the disease, why is it that the young don't get cancer just as much as the old? And this is where it all comes down to telomeres, the shortening of telomeres. We are born with telomeres of a certain length that allow us to live long enough to raise our young then the telomeres get short enough afterwards to start giving us all these diseases, cancer, heart disease, things like that. Though, yes, you're right. Some young people get cancer. <clears throat> a lot of times I think it's because the parents had a defective telomeres gene and they, they passed on short telomeres to their kids. And nobody ever studies that for some reason. <clears throat> but but the, the cancer, heart disease, all these kind of things do occur later in life because of telomeres. And that because of shortening telomeres, and that's why we got to solve these problems. Now, the yeah, reason do they we all want call... you to do they keep hold your thought? Do they want you to solve these problems? Because if you solve these problems, then big pharma it really messes their profits. Well, that's another reason why I want to keep my my research funding totally away from anything to do with government. Uh, I, I mean, I've I've applied for grants and I've gotten grants and I send them back. When I when I read the small print, people say there's no small print. I have I've, I'll send these people emails with a copy of the small print that nobody ever reads. Where where government has tremendous control over your research uh, when you when you get government funding, um, and and so I I totally avoid any 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 kind any source of funding that allows any control over my research. So that's why I don't do government grants. I don't do investors. Go-to-market partnerships is the best way to go is the way I'm doing right now. And that's why, like, uh, and, and getting royalties from the from the marketers. They have no control over what the research I do. Uh, they can ask me to do additional research uh, <clears throat> to help support their product, in which case I ask them to pay for it, give me the money. I will hire, a, I'll create a whole different department in the company that will just do that research for them, and, but it doesn't interfere with the other research that we're doing. Um, and uh, so, 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 do you remember what the thought that I was going to hold was? <laughs> I don't remember uh, what the thought you were going to hold, and I apologize on this, but that was really interesting what you just said. Well, yeah, if no, you're it's, you're a pure scientist, that's what you want to do. You want to do your science, and you just don't want to be corrupted by stuff. Perfect to cure aging. There's nothing else I'm going to do. I, my, my motto is cure aging or die trying. I am not going to become one of those kind of scientists that are going to say, wow, I could make a lot of money by killing this or doing that, things like that. I just want to cure aging because I think, I think living is the best thing that ever happened to any of us. Okay. And, and especially me, I think living is the greatest thing that ever happened to us. I don't want to see living become any less lovable for any of us, including me, for some absurd thing called aging that we only evolved just to, to increase the survival of the species. Yes, I, I like our species. I want us to stay around, but I want to be around too. You know, that's, that's the thing. I don't want to sacrifice my life for the survival of the species. Uh, and uh, uh, it just comes down to that. It's, it's, so I'm, that's my research is all about. It's, I guess very, uh, what is the word? Selfish, but I the number one goal is to cure my own aging. And you know, 
it's taking a while and I better hurry up because I got to go faster. <laughs> that was going to say, yeah. Friends of mine, my age, you know, I, I, I'm so sad to hear Dick Fosbury. He's the inventor of the Fosbury flop. He just passed away day before yesterday. When I was in high school, I that was when he got the gold medal in the Olympics. I learned high jump. I was doing high jump and I switched to the Fosbury flop just because of him. And I became very successful in high school in high jump. 40 years later, he and I became good friends. I even went to the unveiling of his trophy at OSU uh, and uh, with him and stuff. But he passed away two days ago from lymphoma, uh, which, you know, is a cancer. And it's, 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 I think it, it wouldn't have happened if, if his telomeres weren't short. And it's just too bad. And, and you know, I'm getting up to that age too. It's like, so can I share, are you interested in sharing what you shared with me on some of the business ideas that you have and some of the inventions you have? So if people are interested, they could get it. And I can just have it up on my website. I've done that before, I believe. So I can have it up there for them with the show notes and they can see some of the possibilities. Yeah, I, I actually was just looking over to see if I have a copy of the plan. I do have it here. Um, but uh, I'd really like to do is get a copy of my deck I don't think I have a copy of the deck here, but um, let me just bring that up really fast. Um, trying to get people to help me find the go-to-market partners. And so I send this deck to them. <clears throat> okay, so I've got the deck open. Okay, so here's the slide that I wanted to look at. <clears throat> um, I want to go to... Okay. So can you see that? Because our pictures are covering up most of it in my case. But um, Some of these things, you don't need any real fund funding. You just need, we need to develop, paid for the development and the development is going to cost some serious money. Well, but go so, ahead. I mean, these are, these are things that are, they're ready to go. <clears throat> okay. Um, the, uh, the food chopper. I mean, we have 818. Okay. Um, just put in a salt shaker and sprinkle it on food. Uh, hey, I might do that with you. I might do that. Let's see. Because that would be something I could do immediately. Yeah. And if I could get somebody to develop it, I there's some things I'll do with you here. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, <clears throat> you know, one of my first successes in biotech was human growth hormone. Okay. <clears throat> um, the problem with human growth hormone was uh, that when it was produced in bacteria, would have an extra amino acid on the front end of it. And that would cause immune responses <clears throat> in, the, <clears throat> in the newborn kids that were gonna suffer from dwarfism. Growth hormone was not invented to be a, a sports enhancing drug, <clears throat> illegal sports enhancing drug actually. It was, it, it, we invented it to actually make it so that dwarfs could grow tall. And, <clears throat> but, it caused immunological reactions. <clears throat> so uh, Genentech had me, because uh, I knew I was specialized in this, had me figure out a way to produce growth hormone in bacteria that it wouldn't have this extra amino acid on it. <clears throat> so I did that. And because it was an orphan drug, meaning that the FDA was going to make it easy to get it on on. Uh, approved because very few people needed it. They, they, they did, gave accelerated approval to Genentech for growth hormone <clears throat> and growth hormone never, and, and, and plus the, it, the orphan drug status prevented anybody else from being able to sell it. So they never filed a patent on my idea. It's always been a trade secret. <clears throat> I have it here at Sierra Sciences. All patents have expired now anyway. Uh, people have stolen HGH like like uh, one company in China called Gensai, <clears throat> uh, they stole it from Genentech. <clears throat> so there's there's more than one company selling on it right now, <clears throat> but they're all selling it for enormously, uh, what is it, marked up prices oh, for sure, high yeah. profit, profit margins. <clears throat> but I can produce it here at a fraction of the cost. And <clears throat> I just don't want to produce it because I want to focus on curing aging. But if somebody wants to license that growth hormone technology from me, they can make a trillion dollars, a gazillion dollars. I don't like to say trillion because that's a real number. 
<clears throat> I don't know how much they can make, but they can sure make a gazillion dollars uh, by by selling growth hormone at a very reduced price and still have a very high profit margin. <clears throat> now, I put down there that it requires $650,000 of assembly. That's because right now I've already made it. I have the have it all on paper and in files and things like that. And I have DNA sitting in the freezer ready to work with. I just need to spend about $650,000. And that includes the salaries of the scientists <clears throat> that would do it to produce it. And then we we demonstrate a testing of it at a small scale, license it to some company that wants to produce it at a large scale, and they've got that. Okay. For a total of nothing more than six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And all I'm asking for is 10% of sales as a royalty to fund my research. <clears throat> Uh, the only reason I would ask for a licensing fee is if they want an exclusive. If they want an exclusive, then I'm asking for a $300,000 licensing fee. Skin rejuvenators. So that, those are already being done. Um, and uh, well, uh, okay, things... with skin rejuvenators, what would that do? Like, if you get a burn, it'll rejuvenate your skin. How about like if you're your anti like your face all wrinkled up and stuff? Yeah, that, that's what that's what lengthening. So putting a telomerase reducer into a skin cream. There are several companies that do that now. And, and the ones that have, the ones that we invented here definitely work far better than the other ones from the companies that have products that don't really work that, have ingredients that don't work that well. But, uh, <clears throat> these skin rejuvenators, they've been tested in clinical studies now. They show tremendous wrinkle reduction. And I assume it's because, and you mentioned this before, the short telomeres will get longer, even though the ingredient isn't strong enough to lengthen all the telomeres. Uh, telomerase preferentially lengthens the shortest telomeres. So we see a, a, a tremendous, or the companies that are marketing these products already see tremendous <clears throat> increases in, or decreases in aging markers, okay? Uh, and the only explanation for that is the fact that the longer tel shorter telomeres are getting longer. Um, <clears throat> so, now, nobody has, the only reason I have this on the list so far is still is because nobody has an exclusive all over the world. So there, there, there's places, uh, parts of the world where people can still market this. Spinal disrepair. <clears throat> I, 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 there's amazing studies in dogs showing that injecting, doing some method to produce telomerase in this disc of the spine corrects degenerate disc disease. <clears throat> um, and uh, I think I call it dysdegeneracy disease before, but it's degenerate disc disease. Um, and that's ready to go. We don't, so research, we don't have to do anything. We just have this to have- This help get people out of wheelchairs, right? Uh -huh. I mean, this yeah. is like- Oh yeah, it, it help with osteoporosis, all, all kinds of stuff. But uh, the reason I put this on the list is because I much prefer to treat the whole body, but that's a million dollars, our cost to treat the whole body. The spinal disc repair would only be injecting in the disc, which would reduce the price a lot. Um, uh, the, and how, I mean, market. people who are wheelchairs, I mean, I would think that this would be huh. almost priceless for them, but keep going. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, but I don't have, I'm not a good marketer. I'm not a good, I'm not a good person at, at getting out That's there. That's not what you do. Yeah. And it, it costs a lot of money. People that market really successful products spend a fortune to get those. And, I want to spend all my research on, on on money on research. Okay, so so that's something. It it it's, it needs the go to market partner. Not only has to license it from us, but they they need to do the testing. Okay, because we're we're not going to spend money on the testing. They need need to do the testing, and they they can do it in other countries. If you come up with, if if you find an island out in the middle of the Pacific or something like that where you don't need. Uh, uh, approval and <clears throat> now I'm, that sounds like I'm encouraging uh, lack of safety and no I know I, I, but it's it's the problem is is that it's not just I want to just give you a little bit of support here the problem in this country is that the cost of doing trials and the limitations that are put on research facilities I think is big pharma doing a lot of that um, is makes it so that smaller labs just can't even function. But let me just go on tell you. Have you have you interviewed Elizabeth Parrish? Yes, I have. Okay, 
she and I, she's an amazing person. She and I just she is an amazing person. Paper. Maybe you already talked to her about this. We, she and I co-authored a paper on what we call best choice medicine. <clears throat> totally her idea. She, she came up with this idea during her master's thesis and did a master's on it. But when, when she needed to publish it, uh, she brought me on board to help co-write it, uh, the paper, and, and fill in some of the gaps that needed to be done. <clears throat> and so she and I co-authored a paper that addresses the exact subject that you just talked about. And that's that uh, <clears throat> the treat, getting tested, drugs tested is so expensive. There's so many obstacles, especially from large pharma that you'd be competing with. And <clears throat> the uh, uh, I even say in the article that you know, I've been through a lot of clinical studies. I've been not a participant, but a, a researcher in a lot of clinical studies. And I am a 100% believer that the FDA is not qualified to be overseeing safety. Okay. I believe safety. <laughs> That's proven. Very, very <laughs> you might have, they might have proven that point over the last few years. Oh, no, it's been proven over and over again. The best example is them approving the ability for scientists to treat kids with bubble boy disease with a gene therapy that any scientist that had science 101 could have told them that that gene therapy is going to give those kids cancer and over mm. half of them died of cancer i mean <clears throat> there, there's a lot of things but even in the studies that i've been involved in i've seen steps cut out the clinical affairs company the companies that i've worked for I'd go to them and I say, hey, we can't take that step out. That will risk the patient. And they say, oh, we don't care. The FDA gave us the approval. Let's, we're going to do yeah, it. Because that's, they don't I'm, care. I'm not profit driven, but the companies that I work for used to, you were profit driven. <clears throat> um, so, so um, I, I, but, but you're right. That's, that's something. So they have to do the testing, but they can go to some island. And, and I, here's something that I offer in all of my go-to-market partnership opportunities. I will be the orchestra leader for their studies, okay? I will, I will come along with a checkoff list. I make certain everything is done safely because I, there's nobody more interested in safety than me, okay? If anybody participates in a clinical study that I'm overseeing, they can be assured that safety has been at the maximum, okay? Because I definitely don't wanna see anybody die. The other thing is, I'm not, I, and even the animal studies, I do not believe in sacrificing animals for, for research. No, <clears throat> I, believe no. that, I believe that in, in animal studies, the animal has to possibly benefit from the treatment, okay, in order to include it, do an animal study. I'd rather do humans. I'd rather do terminally ill humans than I would rather, that, that, that could possibly survive because of the treatment than I would do animals. And that, of course, we, we keep going on tangents. This, Every time I think about something, I have a tendency. No, but that's very interesting. No, but it's true. I mean, uh, that's what we're dealing with right now, the ethics of things. You know, Liz Parrish, one thing she told me was that the Google and company were censoring and banning genetic therapies of others, even though they were investing in it. So, I mean, those are some of the idea, those are some of the examples of how big pharma has gotten their tentacles into holding smaller labs and other promising solutions back. Elizabeth Parrish, Liz Parrish is the remor most remarkable person on the planet. She is not profit driven. She is on a mission to fix all these problems. I'm one of her biggest followers, followers. Uh, and, and so, yeah, people people need to listen to Elizabeth Parrish. She's she's unfortunately she gets constantly compared to Elizabeth Holmes, uh, and and you know uh, that's not a good comparison to have. I know. I wish people would stop that, but but she is a tall blonde like Elizabeth Holmes was. She has started her own company, but they are exact opposites in every other way. <clears throat> and I think I you know people. People could start following Elizabeth Parrish. They'd see she's the most amazing person. She and I complement each other because I just do research. She just does everything else. And so <clears throat> I'm looking forward to working with her. <laughs> she just does everything else. I remember she Glad had an Alzheimer's you. study that I was trying to help market for free. And she was having a hard time getting people to do it, even though they had the money so they could do it for free. And it was like, what is the deal with this? 
Yeah, I'm a scientific yeah. advisor on studies, by the way. So, uh, and and some people say she's she's competing with me on my clinical studies, but there's no such thing as competing in somebody no. who's going to yeah. cure my own aging. You know, it's like uh, so. So yeah. So I'm I'm helping her as much as I can, uh, and uh, it's like, uh, and I think more people. I mean, I I gotta say. Uh, the top people in the anti-aging field, okay, Aubrey de Grey, uh, going blank, uh, Greg Fay, uh, Mike West, uh, and I'm and I'm I'm going to now feel awful because I'm going to forget somebody's name, uh, Mike Rose. <laughs> I just now, now I'm going to be worried if I forgot your name. I'm sorry, but they you know who you are. <clears throat> they all support Elizabeth Parrish, okay, uh, an organization called People Unlimited, which is. I think the most amazing organization that is all about people that want to extend their lifespans as long as possible. They're a very large group of people that get together for conferences all over the world. Some of them watch from videos. I've spoken a few of those things. They are one of uh, Liz Parrish's strongest supporters. We all need to stand behind Liz Parrish. That's a, that's a fact. And I'm glad to hear that you interviewed her before. Um, yeah, I've interviewed her a few times. She seems like she's legit. I, there's a few things that, um, that I think part people in your industry are naive about. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you this, that, um, trusting the big tech, uh, that's my background, trusting the big tech with data and, and human DNA data and all that stuff is not necessarily smart. And yeah that that's something we have to learn and be <laughs> you want the data because you'll learn a lot from it and we need the data but trusting them with it hmm, i don't know no no i agree and, you know and by the way you've actually done more than one interview with me too i i, I think this could be our third or fourth interview i think it's our fourth <clears throat> yeah i think so yeah, was, i'm not sure yeah um let me go to the next one because that's a real exciting one. Okay, <clears throat> cancer treatment. Now, I was National Inventor of the Year for my cancer research in 1997. I know a lot about cancer. When we first started coming up with telomerase inhibitors, I said they'll never work because the cancers will always come back because they cause telomeres to get shorter and that increases mutation rates and that increases the chances that the cell is going to find a way to survive whatever you're treating with it. <clears throat> so I've invented two technologies for treating cancer cells by not inhibiting telomerase, in fact, actually encouraging telomerase to be more active, but, but poisoning any cell that has telomerase activity. Okay, so the cell dies without the telomeres getting shorter. <clears throat> I have these two they do require some research. I estimate it to be about $4.8 million of research that I need to do. But that marketing company, the company that funds that research and then takes it to market will probably create the most significant improvement to curing cancer that ever existed. Okay, cancers will be gone, they'll, they'll rarely come back. And I'm just extremely frustrated by the fact that nobody's taken this on. And because of the fact that I think the number one cancer cause of cancer is aging, I need to maintain my focus on curing aging, not cancer. Plus I did so many years, year, many, many years of cancer research before I switched to aging, thinking the real thing that we need to be working on is aging. I, can, I need to keep my focus there, but we have some cancer treatments that would just be awesome. Uh, cancer detection. Uh, we have we have something that's ninety gives you a ninety five percent chance certainty that it is cancer, and eighty five percent chance that a non cancer is really a non cancer. Okay. Um, well, isn't that so much of the problem right now? Because I know a lot of breast cancer isn't even cancer. That's what I've been yeah. hearing from other people. So much of it, we, we're chopping into people's bodies and doing all these things when they don't even have cancer. Yeah, half of, half of cancer treatments are probably unnecessary. Now, when you do form a really big cancer and you got this big lump on your side and stuff like that, yeah, that's yeah. 
that, that's there's no brain that's obviously cancer but but you need to detect cancer a lot early <clears throat> and there's really no good ways to do that uh most most doctors will just take a, a sliver out of a small biopsy and look at it in the microscope and say it's cancer and that's about 50 percent accurate okay <clears throat> um but better to play it safe uh and cut out the cancer but you got the, the maybe big i mean some of these people are going through chemotherapy and all these treatments and they're going through hell those are the ones those are the ones that got it well i don't want to say too late because sometimes there was no way to detect it beforehand nowadays but once once a cancer metastasizes and then starts spreading to other parts of your body you can't be cutting it out of all the parts of the body oh i see okay, okay. So then, then you are on your chemotherapy, and and you know uh, some of the drugs that I've invented were were chemotherapies, and I I think chemotherapies are most worst drugs on the planet because none of them target just the cancer; they also kill your other cells, and that's why you lose your hair because your hair follicles die. There's other solutions that people are finding, but for some reason they don't want to even like this. They don't even want to invest in them. It's really weird. Well, at least I'm not going after the government. I'm going after private investors. And my biggest problem isn't investors don't want to invest in it. My biggest problem is letting them know about it. Okay. Um, so, and then, and then be able to, to have them bring their scientists and have me explain it to them. Because uh, one of the things I used to have, I had a great reputation when I was first, when I used to go the investor route and investors would come and sit down at my conference room table where I'm right now they'd have their scientists here. I would give a presentation on why this is a good investment. And in every case, the scientists invested too. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, that's I've cool. Yeah. But, but so I, I'm really yeah, that's good That's why I like talking to you because I know you're the real deal. So, so cancer detection, uh, that's, we have the best cancer detection system on the planet. It's actually the exact same system that we use for screening for any uh, drugs for anything else, uh, especially telomerase inducers. And that's all ready to go. We just have to train the go-to-market partner how to do it, okay? <clears throat> Anti-aging supplements. Um, you know, I, I mentioned before that antioxidants and anti-inflammatories all help produce the rate of accelerated telomere shortening by producing, reducing oxidative stress and unnecessary cell division. And, uh, but in my head, and I I know all the best supplements that actually decrease the rate of accelerated telomere shortening. And and okay, have you have you interviewed Sandra Kaufman? No, I have not. You have to interview Dr. Sandra Kaufman. Okay, she's I think the world's best at supplements, and she's not profit driven. She's she's written two books now that I think are the best books ever written. It, I I can I call them the Bible. On anybody that wants to be taking supplements, you need to read the Kaufman Protocol. You don't have to read the whole thing because she has a very organized outline of how to choose supplements for you, how much to do, and whatever. She gives these formulas. They put different types of people in different codes. This is the book I follow her directions to the letter <clears throat> but uh uh i i actually would like to uh market or have somebody market a product that contains all the ingredients that she and i say are are the best ones for you and then that company will make a lot of money just by marketing our names i mean <clears throat> I mean, I was National Inventor of the Year for cancer research, not aging research, but I've also won a lot of awards. I was recently, I, I was awarded the, the Bacon Prize for super longevity, for thought leadership and super longevity just last October. Uh, Bacon Prize, I'm a vegan, so it doesn't sound like the right kind of prize for me, but it's named after Sir Francis Bacon, Bacon and Roger Bacon, two pioneers of modern science. And it was a major award for me to receive. And, but but her and, and me and Sandy Kaufman putting together something like anti-aging supplements. Uh, well, hey, I would do that with some of you on some of that because uh, we just, as long as, I mean, there's a lot of formulators that I could work with if I had the actual ingredients. So I have some of that lined up, but I know there's a lot of other people who would be really interested if they knew. 
I'm going to they need to know. To I'm going to introduce you to her right, right after this interview. Yeah, that um, would be great. Anti-aging therapies, those are mostly the gene therapies. Uh, we have uh, uh, the gene therapies ready to go. We have massive amounts of the gene therapy already produced in big bioreactors sitting on a shelf, ready to be injected. Oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. We willing to take it. But here's part, part of my thing about being overseeing and being the orchestra leader for clinical studies is I want to see every biomarker possible measured. I want I want pre-test, baseline test, everything. You want to make sure it's legit. Yeah. And so that's part of why it's a, a million dollars to do, to treat one person once. <clears throat> but once, so I should say that once it does get tested and proven, I wish Betty White was still alive because I really wanted her to walk out on stage and look 20, look, feel and behave 25 again. But as soon as somebody like William Shatner or somebody like that does that, or, or my biggest fan, I'm the biggest fan of uh, David Attenborough. David Attenborough is the most brilliant guy in the world, and he's 96, 97 years old right now. I want to get him treated as fast as possible because the world's going to suffer a lot when we lose him. But if somebody like them walked out on the stage, um, <clears throat> I mean, these uh, gene therapies are going to be not needed to be tested as much anymore. Uh, and the price will come down because it'll probably cost like $300,000 to produce enough of the gene therapy to uh, treat one person once. But that's, you know, maybe it's more than $300,000 because the testing, I don't think is 700,000, but the doctor's cost, the hospital costs, costs all the, all the uh, testing brings the price up to a million dollars. We could, if we could cut that up. How many times do you need to do the treatment? How many times do you need to do the treatment in order once. Once. So maybe yeah. for a half a million, once you get this thing dialed in, maybe for a half a million dollars, you could do a treatment and somebody who's 90 could feel like they're 50 again. Yeah. Let's say we're hopefully 25, <clears throat> but, but, but then, then they'll start aging normal. Okay. So 70 years later, 75 years later, or 70 years later, he'll be 95 again and he'll have to get treated again. So it's not just once. So you, you have to get treated every 75 years. Um, but the, uh, uh, it's, it's, but you know, the, the royalties that I would get to fund my research would create that pill that would do the same thing as the gene therapy. And so by the time somebody needed a second treatment, they wouldn't have to spend the what, 600,000 or whatever it is to get treated again. They just have to spend the $10 to get the pill. Um, and with the pill, you'd only need a one pill at a time. You'd only need to do it once, one pill. But it, it, in the pill, we don't know. We, we, in fact, you have to do the research. You don't know yet. Yeah, it could be a nasal spray. It could be a patch. It could be a pill. It could be a sublingual under your tongue. It, it, it could be a whole bunch of different things. So we don't know until we actually have the drug and then test it to find out its uh, best route for delivery. Um, okay, but but eight one eight is like pill you can swallow 818 um yeah okay so um we take it uh, what's, what's that i said what i take it i take it i take it too yeah i take it too um okay but so i make um, sure my parents do that's the one thing that i do i just keep them going yeah, i'll yeah. sacrifice myself for them right now because they're the ones that really need it like i said my dad really i don't my dad was a super responder so I keep going. Do whatever you can to keep them alive because I've lost both my parents and it's just an awful thing. And my father was my partner in all this anti-aging research. And so mm. I miss him terribly. I miss my mother. Just keep them alive. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's um, what I'm working anti on. Anti-aging therapies is a temporary solution, but it's it's any marketer is going to make a gazillion dollars before they find out that something better comes along. Aging diagnostics. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ways of measuring aging right now. Uh, and uh, we can do them all, we do them all. Uh, right now, I would say that telomere length measurement isn't the as good as it could be, but we have developed two protocols to develop new telomere length measurement protocols. I, I discussed this at A4M back in 2020. <clears throat> I went over detail in 2020 at an A4M conference on I was going to do this, <clears throat> and we still haven't raised the funding to, to do that uh, 
uh, technology. And that's going to, so the aging diagnostics will cost about $1.5 million for us to do research. Uh, <clears throat> health diagnostics. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty much, you know, people talk about, were you going to say something? Uh, people talk about mm -hmm. epigenetics all the time. And they talk about DNA methylation as epigenetics, but epigen DNA methylation is really just the uh, 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 epigenetic mechanism. It, DNA, DNA methylation affects epigenetics, but it's not actually epigenetics. We've developed a technology to measure all the epigenetics. Epigenetics means, <clears throat> is a gene turned on or is it turned off? Okay, that's all it is. It's a study of turning genes on and off. And as you, as you get older, you find that your, the genes that you turn off sometimes turn on, sometimes the genes that you turn, that were on turn off. And sometimes it's, they're all like knobs, light switches for dimming lights. It's sometimes it's the degree of how much they go. We can measure all that <clears throat> with this technology. It just requires an additional $1.1 million in this case. And then recently I was approached by some guy who's, who hosts horse conferences all over the world. <clears throat> um, and he's really interested in getting us to provide a therapy to treat horses. I mean, in, in all my telomerase research, one thing that I've learned is that humans are unique, almost unique in the fact that they age by telomere short. Rodents don't. Mice, rabbits, rats, they don't age by telomere short. It's a very different kind of uh, apples and oranges kind of thing with them. <clears throat> um, but there are some animals that do. And surprisingly, they happen to be some of our favorite pets. Uh, dogs, cats, horses, sheep, pig, and deer, and some primates, some non-human primates, are the only ones that have been shown so far to age by telomere shortening. Well, since horses was just on that list that I gave you, and I'm, I'm a horse owner and I'm, I'm very involved in <clears throat> breeding horses. Uh, I have a whole breeding program trying to create a tall Arab with thick cannon bones. If horse owners will understand what I mean there. Um, but the, uh, uh, the problem is, is that you, it takes a long time to get a, a stud proven, a stud being a male horse for breeding, <clears throat> get a stud proven to be worthy of people spending a lot of money to have it uh, mate with their mare. The mare being the female horse, <clears throat> and so they do all this work and all this work, and finally their horse is proven, and they start making a lot of money breeding their horses to other people's mares. But then the horse gets too old, <laughs> really shortly thereafter, because you spend so much time proving this horse. Now it gets old, and suddenly you lose a lot of income. Well, we can save those people's income by providing them with a horse longevity drug that will extend the lifespan of drugs. And this guy who's putting on these conferences uh, is, is very insistent that this is going to be really, really big. And so I'm, but I'm, he's not a marketer. I'm not a marketer. So I'm looking for somebody that's in the horse world that wants to take on this business because you'll be a gazillionaire. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of potential, but I think, you know, the potential is, for people to the most important thing is for people to live while they're alive to live a better life and have your brain intact feel good don't have cancers and all these illnesses and because there's so many people for the last 20 years of their life live under duress or they can't their brain doesn't work that great i always say what's the point of living a long time if you're not living Okay, that's right. We don't want to just exist. And believe me, all of the people whose names I mentioned that are colleagues that are working on trying to cure aging, we all believe the same thing. We don't want to be uh, Zardos with that movie with, uh, with the, the movie where people were living forever, but they're all lying in beds with tubes sticking into them, barely had brain function and things like that. That's not what we want to do. We want that's to, not even worth it. No. You know, dance, play tennis, have the time of our lives just like yes. we did when we were 25. Um, now you did remind me of something we didn't talk about. There's a good chance. We I'd mentioned that 90, 95% of your cells are always dividing. 
but neurons don't. <clears throat> and neurons- Yes, the brain. Field. Yes, so how do we protect the brain? Well, it turns out neurons, so neurons, <clears throat> neurons are actually very, very stable cells. Neurons can last 200 years by some reports, okay? Wow. But the problem isn't the neuron itself. The problem is what I call the caregiver cells. These are cells called like Schwann cells, oligodendrocytes, astrocytes, a host of other cells that are in the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system uh, <clears throat> that are actually taking care of your neurons. These, these like Schwann cells, they wrap around the nerves in your peripheral central ner peripheral nervous system. Oligodendrocytes wrap around your neurons in your uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, central nervous system. What they do is they provide a protein called myelin that actually uh, protects the neurons. Neurons are taken very, very good care of by our body. <clears throat> um, and then astrocytes and things, they're, they're very involved in immune protection, things like that. So we have a lot of great ways of protecting our neurons. The problem is that all these cells I just mentioned, astrocytes and oligodendrocytes and uh, Schwann cells, they all do divide. They all do get telomeres short. And when their telomeres get short, then you lose the ability to protect the nerves, neurons. And that's when the neurons start having their problems. So even though neurons don't divide and lengthen their telomeres, I mean, they, they could, there, there's studies saying that, that DNA damage to neurons is a major cause of telomere shortening of those neurons. And, and all the data that I've seen, especially with all my background in statistical analysis, says they're wrong. Okay. <clears throat> The DNA damage to neurons is very, very low unless those caregiver cells uh, give up on protecting the cells. Um, and the uh, uh, if, if we could just lengthen the telomeres in those caregiver cells, I think that no, not only will prevent Alzheimer's, but it will reverse Alzheimer's. Okay, okay. and one of, the, one of the studies that I thought was very exciting was done by Dr. Rhonda Pennell, where he treated mice uh, with telomerase, and even though mice don't age by telomere shortening, they do have, later in life, they do have some really accelerated telomere shortening, which causes uh, them damage. <clears throat> but, but Ron found that they have a remarkable reversal of the aging process. That's what the words he used on, on uh, uh, Diane Sawyer's interview. And you can Google Diane Sawyer, Ron DePinnell, and you can watch this interview. Um, but one of the things that he saw was brain size increased, okay? And memory came back. Brain, they could, their sense of smell, their sense of being able to possibly go through a maze, I forget if that's one of the tests he did, came back. Okay, <clears throat> well, not only was that exciting, but it, it, it changed a whole way of thinking about dementia. Is dementia the loss of memory? or just the loss of access to the memory. That's really fascinating. The fact, the fact that these memories came back in these mice argue that dementia is not the loss of memory, it's just loss of access to the memory. And if we could regain that access by protecting the neurons or, or rejuvenating the neurons, that might be a way to uh, reverse Alzheimer's. That's why I'm so excited about the clinical study that me, I have. Liz Parrish has, Dr. Michael Fossil, uh, his company Telocyte is trying to do similar studies. Um, uh, Maria Blasco in Spain is trying to do similar studies. I support all of them, okay? I wanna see somebody, I mean, my, I said my father passed away, he died from Alzheimer's. My younger yeah. brother died of Alzheimer's too. Alzheimer's is an accelerated aging disease, okay? Or at least my brother inherited something from my parents that gave him an accelerated aging disease, which made the uh, Alzheimer's come on sooner. And I believe that's telomeres. Unfortunately, we never got my brother's telomeres length measured, so we don't know. But uh, I, I, I think Alzheimer's is the disease worse than death. I mean, it's like, we have to figure out a cure for this. And I believe, and we've seen 
all these clinical studies by all these large pharmas trying to attack the beta amyloid production and stuff. And, you know, I knew in the 1980s that amyloid was not the cause of Alzheimer's. It was more likely a result of Alzheimer's. And, and it's like, why, why did these companies all go after all these monoclonal antibodies to treat beta amyloid? only to prove that what we knew in the 1980s was correct, okay? And all these, all these, all these monoclonal antibodies that destroy amyloid in the, in the brains of Alzheimer's patients failed, okay? They spent trillions of dollars. Every drug costs about 2.5, 2.6 billion dollars to get approved on the market. Large farmers can afford to do this. When you look at all the clinical studies, that had to be trillion dollars <clears throat> all these companies that put money isn't in. it crazy and well, if things were focused more if we had a, big pharma's like taking everything and they're not doing what we need them to well, do the problem is some pretend scientists convinced them that this was real and nobody in these large farmers did the due diligence to go and talk to the real scientists that are really studying this and they could have told them don't waste your money Okay, but so, so you know, production of amyloid might be a result of telomere shortening. Okay, there's also microfibril tangles that occur in the brain. Those might be a result of telomere shortening. Lengthening of telomeres could affect that, and there could help that. And there's a lot of papers now really supporting the idea that lengthening telomeres is the number one best thing we can do to prevent and reverse Alzheimer's. Yeah, and then it's so promising, and it's there isn't that much money needed to do the research and to prove it out. So it just it's mind boggling to me that this hasn't been the, it's, the people. You, you're mind boggling. I'm just a scientist. I don't understand the business world at all. I wish I wish I was as good a business person as I am a scientist. Okay, because if I was as good a business person as I'm a scientist, I would have all this all these problems solved. The science. Well, I don't think it's the business that's the problem because there's a lot of good well, business people. I think it's the obstacles that these business people are coming across. They have to be a good business person. You have to be more than a good business person nowadays. You have to deal with yeah. the corruption and the big farm and the shutdown and all these obstacles that make it really, really, really hard. You're 100% right. I meant the businesses, not the business people, because it's it's the really passionate business people like Liz Parrish are the ones that can't seem to really get because she's not going to people and telling them, hey, think of all the money we can make by selling this product, even though it doesn't work, I can convince people that it does. You know, that's that's the it's the artificial yeah, so it's, it's what well, and there's some of the corruption and the agendas and some of these other things that keep legit business people from being successful and so when somebody is successful it, it's like well what did they have to sacrifice to get there you know i was feeling guilty about mentioning names before and i forgot a few and i, I just i want to add bill Falloon, jim stroll uh these are people that are super passionate about curing aging. Um, uh, we lost a, a really good one, David Kekic. Uh, he passed away a while back, but he was somebody that, that I would send everybody to. People that really wanted to cure aging were not interested in just making a buck. And still, there's names that I still have forgotten to mention. I'm sure but, there's uh, so many. And there's probably names you don't even know who are out there working away in their labs doing some stuff. So. Okay, so how do people follow you and um, learn more about you and maybe invest in your stuff, learn about their stuff? Where, where yeah, do they go? You know, and... I'm terrible keeping my website up. Um, I, I don't have an IT group here in the company. I, 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 have a, I pay a company to do my IT work and I'm just very negligent on keeping up with them. But one of the things that I really do very adamantly is every time I give a presentation at a major conference, uh, like the major ones I consider are Radfest and uh, Healthy Masters. Okay, I think those are the top two conferences. A lot of them, other ones, they have too many like charlatans promoting products and things like that. But I like Radfest and Healthy Masters because they 
they really focus on the really stuff, the stuff that really works. Whenever I get, whenever I speak at one of those conferences and they send me the video of it, I do put it on my website. And so, and they're in reverse chronological order. If somebody was to go to www.sierrasci.com, you'll see a link, a button actually to my videos. And that's probably the best way to keep up on what I'm doing because I'm too busy to be constantly writing newsletters. I mean, I, I like the fact that Liz- Perry I understand. <laughs> okay. but, but I don't have the time for that. And a lot of times Liz Parrish does talk about me and stuff like that. So, so it's, it's really good. And there's other really great newsletters out there. There's a lot of other ones that are just terrible. I mean, I, they're, they're really, really popular, very well read, but when I read them, I just can't believe these people can say the things that they say and they actually believe them. But um, it's, uh, and I don't, again, I don't want to mention, I'll mention the names of some of the good ones. And then if I don't mention your name, it's because I forgot, but, I won't mention the name of the bad ones. Uh, uh, That's good. So, it's important not to until you, I mean, because it's slander and then you, you have to prove it and we don't, we don't want to prove it. We got better, time. yeah, you got better things to do with your time. Then find ways to have people follow me. But I, I, but I, I, I've enjoyed doing your interviews and that's why I wanted to accept your invitation to do this to me. Uh, well, thank you but, so much. And I, I hope it, you know, when we first came out live with, with the, the telomere, that got a lot of attention. And that was when podcasting was pretty new, but it really got a lot of attention. And um, so people enjoy listening to your, your interviews. So that's good. Well, the best ideas also have the most critics. And so that's, that's right. why a lot of the podcasts you hear will say, have something negative about telomere lengthening, but there, there's some good videos where I address some of those issues and they're, they're, they're none of them true. The, you know, sh short telomeres are bad, long telomeres are good. Uh, and just, we want to do whatever we can to lengthen our telomeres because it's going to make us all healthier and happier. Thank you so much for coming back on the program. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. And <laughs> well, my lads are right behind me. I'm going to go get back to work. All right, talk to you later.